Hi, this is Dory, and welcome to this week's episode of Slice, the podcast where I have real conversations with real people that will hopefully inspire you to be your most authentic self. Today I have a unique episode. The last episode was with Elliot, who is a transgender male, and we talked about stereotypes, and we talked about um, some of the issues that you go through and during that process, and mostly we talked about acceptance. And one of the things that came up from that conversation was how incredibly supportive his parents were, especially his mom, how she didn't judge him and or kick him out of the house or tell, or not believe him um, when he told her how he felt about himself, how he felt like a boy living in a girl's body, that it was in the wrong body. But she just loved him and accepted him through it. And how now in Elliot's process, in what he's going through, that he's mostly dealing with just the difficult process of the tr- transition and some of the things that come along with that, but all along having a really supportive family and especially a supportive mom. And after, at the end of our podcast, we were talking about his mom and as a mom, I was really curious about her process and what that was like. And then his idea was to do an interview with her and him, and she agreed to do it. So today I have him and his mom, Sharon, on the on the show. One of the things I really connected with was loving your child unconditionally, having complete acceptance for who your child is, no matter who they are, no matter who they turn out to be in the world, no matter what your plans, dreams, or expectations are. And as a therapist... I see so much pain and disorders and diagnosis and anxieties and um, dysfunction because people weren't accepted as individuals, that they weren't accepted as themselves, of just who they are in the world and weren't supported that way. And are in so much pain about it. And it starts really early on. So even if people become incredibly successful or do whatever they do or independent in their life, that the issues start very early on, um, pre-verbal, three years and up. And the messages become very clear about, I love you unconditionally, or I love you conditionally, or I accept you, or I don't accept you, or... I will only accept you if you do exactly what I want you to do or be the way that I want you to be. Um, And I'll love you unconditionally if you're exactly the way that I want you to be, which is obviously not unconditional. So in this idea, if I carry it on from this idea of acceptance, we talked a little about maybe an idea of an acceptance movement, is that pure love is, is unconditional. And anything that comes up from any kind of judgment that comes up 
is more of a reflection on how we feel about ourselves, not about the other person. And the minute that we're in judgment, we're not in love. We're not in spiritual love, and we're not in love. We're in judgment, and we're not in acceptance. This experience with Sharon, what I would like to share and have a conversation about with the two of them, how she was able to hold this process in love without judgment and what questions she had, what fears she had, what changes she made and what she realized maybe about herself along the way as a parent, you know, as a mom, our role, our stereotypical role is to, you know, hold our child in complete acceptance and love and understanding. And many moms cannot do that. So when you're listening today, you know, I'm really, I'm really hoping that, you know, today we're talking with Elliot and it might be more specific toward having a transgender child. It might be, or it might start directed in that way. Um, but it's really about loving your child and loving who they are and being in acceptance. And it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to agree with their choices, but if you want to be in love and if you want to be loving it's about letting them be who they are and accepting exactly who they are and helping them find themselves there so they can be their most authentic self so they can live in integrity and they could be they can love themselves what a parent models is love and acceptance and when a parent shows that acceptance and that love from a pure place, what it does is it models it for the child, that it's okay for me to be me. It's okay, even if I'm different, even if I feel different, even if I think different, it's okay for me to be me. And they get to begin their journey of who they are and what they're about in themselves from that place, that place of confidence, that place of acceptance, that place of curiosity, and that place of love. What I'd like to do is introduce my guest, Elliot, and his mom, Sharon. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. <laughs> hello. Hi. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sharon. I'm Elliot's mom. It is so nice to have you guys and finally be able to do this. What I'm so impressed with, Sharon, is as a mom, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like should, should, you know, say shoulds. However, it's ideal if we could be accepting and loving and unconditional as parents. And what I'm so impressed with you is just how you were able to do that. And, and like I talked about as being a role model, like as a parent, being a role model to your children, that I think that you could be a role model to maybe other parents that might be facing this situation or another situation of difference. It doesn't even matter really. It's just this, this happens to be this topic, just any situation of difference and the difference of, of coming in loving unconditional and with acceptance and how powerful that is. Well, I believe uh, we love our children from the day they're born and it makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah, my father wanted me to be a nurse as well. But, uh, you know, I went my own way. 
And I found my own path. And I wanted my children to do the same. I, I, I knew from the moment Elliot was five that something was a little different. He wasn't going to be a ballerina when he grew up, that he wasn't going to be, you know, uh, on the runway modeling women's clothing. I just, I just loved Elliot regardless from day one. You love our differences as well as our likenesses. Yeah, for sure. So you said from five years old that you realized that something. That's when I knew. That's when you knew. What did you know at five years old? I'll tell you a story. (laughs) Elliot was five years old, was in kindergarten, and it was picture day at school. Right. And I had I had Viviana at the time. Elliot Elliot's name was. I had dressed him. Well, do I say her? (laughs) I say say him. I dressed Elliot in a beautiful dress. Did his hair all gorgeous, pigtails. Elliot came home from school and was in the bathroom. Was in there quite a long time, so I went in to check on him, and he took scissors and cut his pigtails off. Wow. He didn't like how he looked. (laughs) He did not like how he looked. No. (laughs) Actually looked cute as a boy without the big tails and ponytail. It it just didn't matter. It's what you feel inside. What did you think at that moment when... I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> your hair is so gorgeous, beautiful, thick, dark hair, curly. Oh, I thought, why did you do that? Huh? I don't know. And he ran in his brother's room and started playing with his trucks and GI Joes. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. You play with what you want to play with. I climbed trees and played with boy toys my whole life too. So did you think that, and he, I wasn't did eight. you just think that he was a tomboy, like at the time, maybe? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Elliot said that you, he told you at the doctor's office that, I guess he had read an article about um, gender identity disorder. Yes. And he said, hey, I think this is, this is me. Did you know before that? No, I didn't. No. So when I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with it. Right. I thought maybe he was, uh, maybe a lesbian or bisexual or, or just a teenager that was confused. Right. And wanted to expect. Right. And you were even open about that. Right. So you were also like, okay, so she's, Maybe a lesbian or bisexual or confused going through a teenage. I'm sorry. I have have such a hard time saying she. (laughs) I know, but I'm talking about when, when he was, (laughs) I'm saying when you were, I'm going back to when. Uh, Yes. When you were the mom, when he was she, right? Right. That's okay. Isn't it? Yes. It's okay. Because it's not to discount anything. It's like, I'm really, I'm trying to understand the process of it for Okay. Of what it's like, right? So, and I'm also trying to say too that it's it's also you were already accepting. It didn't matter. You were kind of like, oh, okay, if that's who she is, and that's who she is. Right. right. What happened when she told you that 
he was struggling with gender identity disorder? Well, I, I thought that maybe uh, if he talked to someone and he could figure out really what's going on. That's how I felt. Um, regardless, I would support him, whether he's trans or gay or straight or whatever you are. You're my kid and I will support you. What was it like that day for you, Elliot, when you told your mom? It kind of just felt like, like, I really just don't give a crap right now. I'm just going to say it. Like, cause it, I was battling with it a lot in my mind after I read the article and I was like messaging a close friend and I was like, you know, I really kind of feel like I'm a boy. Like, do you ever feel like that? Cause he later actually came out that he was trans too. Um, so like we really bonded on that because we understood each other in a level that we didn't quite know why yet. And, and was he a boy? So I was messaging the... him. Uh, he's the same as me, born a female, and now I don't. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay. Um, but we we were friends in high school and like getting older, and um, and so I wasn't really sure what to do, and and then we are actually at the doctor's office because I was showing tendencies of like depression. And, you know, like suicidal thoughts and, and my mom was worried. And so she was like, yeah, I want you to see somebody so that, you know, because there's only so much that I can do. So went to the doctors for depression. And then I knew that that was just my moment because after reading the article about gender identity disorder, I knew that the next step is medical legal help. And so I, I felt that that was just the perfect moment to just say it. And for me, it was more or less just saying it to the doctor because I felt like if I said it to the doctor, he would get the help that I was requesting. Right. And then I was just like, okay, well, my mom heard it anyway. I don't care. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I came out as gay, like a lesbian, I came out like three times. <laughs> Wait, did you come um, out? Did you come out? At, did you come out as a lesbian before that time in the doctor's office? Yeah. Oh, you did. I said, "Hey, you know, like, mom, dad, I, I'm gay." Like, because I knew that I was attracted to women. How old were you when that and, happened? Fourteen, thirteen, or fourteen? Yeah, you were. How long do you think you knew before you came out? Oh, I knew when I was in like fifth grade. <laughs> you did. I I remember. Yeah, we we're. I was in theater a lot growing up, and um, there was this one girl that I liked, and I was just really attracted to her. And I didn't really know why, but I knew that I was, like, attracted to her, like, a boy and girl thing. And <laughs> I remember I actually, like, touched her butt on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and and then later we, we all went out and got ice cream. So, I mean, it, it just felt so natural that I liked girls. But I also liked boys, but I think I liked the boys because I wanted to be like them. Right. And then, um, so you told your mom and what was that like for you, Sharon? When Elliot came out as being gay? Yeah. I don't know, shocked, but I had, I had, um, actually Elliot left his journal on the coffee table and I don't know if it was intentional or, or if it was a mistake. Oh gosh, I left my journal. Mom's going to read it. Mom's going to tell dad. And I read it. I shouldn't have. I, I did. 
<laughs> I just wanted to get insight on his thinking and behavior and what's going on in the head. And I read it and found out that Elliot was attracted to a girl that was one of his best friends. And I was fine with it. It didn't shock me. Shocked me where it was, oh my gosh, I'm reading Elliot's journal. You know, I shouldn't be doing this. That is true. But I wasn't. You should not be reading the journal. (laughs) (laughs) Hope I don't get caught. Now you just outed yourself. You just. (laughs) (laughs) No, they they told me afterwards. She ended up showing my dad. Um, I don't know if you're like trying to figure out like what to do or like should you tell me that, you know, or what. But I think my dad was a lot more shocked than my mom. Because I actually remember my dad saying to me in the car one time, I was like, I, I must have been like 10 years old. And I was like, Dad, what would you do if, if one of your kids was gay? And he said that he would be disappointed. And I don't know why, but that just really stuck with me. Like, I didn't, I wasn't really coming out to him then. I was like 10 years old. And um, it stuck with me. And then when I came out, I actually didn't really think about that until afterwards. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I disappointed my dad because I remember him saying like they did a lot of guy stuff and he was like yeah you know I'm gonna have that strong independent powerful daughter who's you know gonna do all the things that guys can do because you're just as capable and now that like I'm identifying as male I almost feel like I'm average to him now like but in the present moment I feel like you know he is really proud of me because of the work that I do with the nonprofit and and just being involved in the community and being a stand for my greatness and others. Um, so I think he's really just grown with it. But in the beginning, he was shocked and, and distanced himself from me. Like our relationship grew apart a little bit, but not in an unhealthy way. It was just like he needed space. Like it hurt him, I think. Like he didn't know how to handle it, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So during that time, though, Sharon, you were able to be supportive? Yes, I was supportive. No matter what. Whatever, you were just... No matter what, I was... Whoever, whatever you It is what it is. Yes, yeah, so I'd switch from my mom and dad's house back and forth living arrangements. It felt very natural. And um, when I was going through all of this, I was living with my mom. So it, it felt okay to go through this. And then after the whole coming out and everything... I moved back in with my dad and he had, he was married to his new wife at the time and she didn't quite get on board with the transgender change. She was okay with the gay thing. But when I came out of transgender, she said that I needed to get like medical testing and that it's just a phase. And like, she was, she didn't want to believe it and wanted, she has a lot of influence on my dad. I was rebellious in that way and like just kind of did what I wanted but they didn't make a big deal out of it like I didn't feel like I was being punished or anything it was just more of like a a silent awkwardness yeah and here's the thing what I do know is that most people not everybody but I mean most people when they're going through that they go through a lot of depression suicidal ideation you know a lot of suicidal thoughts a lot of anxiety about who they are and a lot of withdrawing from certain situations because they don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel like 
they can't accept themselves. They can't, they're having a struggle accepting themselves, let alone the world around them accepting them or their close family. And a lot of people think that they're not worth, it's not worth living. You know, it's so painful. It's so painful. And how do you get to that place? Like, how do I get from here to where I want to be? And it's such a physical thing. I think it causes a lot of um, pain and confusion. Did you notice that? Did you notice that about what was going on with Elliot? Oh, yes. Uh, Well, I didn't, no matter what, I, I didn't want my child to feel pain. Right. And I knew he was in pain. I knew what, even if it was just, uh, not, not a physical pain. Well, maybe with the, a physical pain, but such mental anxiety and just so withdrawn and just fell into his music and kept playing guitar seemed to be his outlet at the time. I just knew he was hurting and I just want him to know that I was there. No matter what it is, we're going to get through this. Yeah. It's, oh. We'll get yeah. through it. And, and it still has struggles. You know, not everyone is accepting. We have to accept our children who they are. Were you aware of all the stuff that he was doing with the binders and how he was hiding his body and and yes yes that was that was the painful part i believe for him we have an in-ground swimming pool and elliot loves to go swimming and i could just see his like pain that he wanted to take his shirt off and just be like every other boy and just dive in without having to strap my boobies down it hurt me a lot. It hurt me to see him in pain, but we're going to get through it and we're doing it. You are doing it. He's a great kid. Yeah, he is the best kid in the whole world. <laughs> were you worried about what people would think about you if your child was transgender or how they would judge? Absolutely not. Not at all. No, it's what I think of myself that's important right right and then which is really powerful because i do think a lot of people wonder how people will judge them they take it personally which is kind of what i originally talked about like a little bit about what the love and pure love and judgment judgment removes the love i, I do you, know that my you, dad had an issue with that your dad and did. i think it, it still continues yeah with his side of the family because they're they're from puerto rico and they're, you know, they, they're very, like, they go to church, and they're very, like, faith-based and Bible-based, and there's nothing wrong with religion. It's just the way that they operate. And I, I just remember, like, I haven't seen them in probably, like, two or three years, but once I started coming out, like, it felt like we went to their house less and less, because they would have all their, like, you know, like, holidays, and they'd get together and do, like, big parties and, like, food, and, you know, have big family get-togethers, and we just stopped going because my grandma would blame all everything on my dad. Like he'd say, you know, it's like, she's like, it's all your fault that, you know, I'm like this. And I never heard any of it, but I heard stories from my dad of how he just felt like 
you know, he felt like the black sheep of the family. And I almost felt like it was my fault that he doesn't really see them anymore because the entire reason why we moved to Florida was to be with his family. Now I just don't see them anymore because they didn't really understand. Your dad's mom blamed your dad for you being gay and being transgender. Yeah. Yeah, she said that it was like the way that he raised us or that he wasn't strict enough or or something because she was very hard on him too growing up like he would tell me all the time that you know he had dreams of going and being an engineer and like following his passions and traveling and she would just tell him like no you have to get a job and take care of the family like yeah you have to be average you you can't do that it's impossible she she didn't fuel his dreams and so what are you saying that that family doesn't get to know you yeah yeah, because it really, it impacts families, right? Like, so, you know, even though you've been so fortunate that you're both your parents love you so much, and even though your dad struggled with it, they're still loving of you, right? And your mom is super supportive. And that's a really good point, that other people in your family could be really impacted because of their own judgment or, like, religion or culture. They're very uh, ignorant. It's ignorance. They don't understand and... They fear what they don't understand. And in a way, I feel like that that's my fault because I I haven't sought to inform them. And I feel like that's a part of my life path is, you know, being out for those that can't be and being able to do talks like this for the parents that, you know, have kids in there, don't accept them. And for kids that have parents that don't accept them and feel like there's no way out. So for me to not, inform my family and and be open with them and teach them and love them unconditionally whether or not they love me I feel like it's a possible next step for me Mm -hmm. what would you say to those parents out there that are struggling with their children's decision it's not your fault like there's nothing that you could do about it to change them to make them who you want them to be you know it's like because whether you love them or hate them they're going to be who they want to be and you can either have a daughter and now a son and love them or you cannot have any child at all because 70 percent of like transgender youth the family doesn't accept them attempt or commit suicide right that's so sad Yeah. Did you have fears about Elliot while he was transitioning? Like some things I think about are what bathroom are they going to use? Was he going to use? I'd worry about like as a mom, I'd be like, is my kid going to get beat up? Is my kid safe? Like I would just be, I know that I would be accepting of whoever my children are, but I'd be so worried, you know, like about the world and Will people accept them? Will they will they be able to have sleepovers? Will they, you know, will they be bullied? Will they what sport will they be able to play sports? Will they, especially if they're younger, like are they gonna be able to pick the teams that they want to play on? Or do they if if they started as a girl, do they have to play on the girls' team? If but if they transition to a boy, can they play on the boys' team and will the boys accept them? And I think like I would have a lot of, you know, just just in that almost like the everyday you know, the everyday parts of it. Like, just, did you have any of that? 
Well, my fear, my biggest fear was being bullied. That was my biggest fear was being bullied. I mean, I would have that fear even if Elliot wasn't a transgender. I would still have that fear. Oh, my kid's going to get bullied for something or other. I, I don't think it was generated towards being transgender. I think just in general that I, I feared my child being bullied. Yeah. And but I mean, because kids can be very cruel. For sure. Not only to you, but to the entire family. Right. And it just you get through it. You, you just have to hang in there. You have and have faith in yourself. You have to instill that faith in your child that they're strong. And you're going to make it and you're going to do it. But as far as fear, I would have had that fear regardless. I got it. Did you, Elliot, have those fears? Do you have Do you have them now at all? Yeah, I, ha- I think I have more fear now than I did in school. Because there is a lot of violence happening in the world, even if, even if I want to ignore it. It's, it's still there and it's happening. And I literally live at a recovery center full of transgender people and it could be a very dangerous place. To be completely honest, the most thing I fear is being shot. Like just somebody seeing me and and seeing that I look different and just like, you know what? Like, fuck you. I don't like how you are. Like, I don't think you should be here. Right. I don't want that to happen. But that, that is just a fear. I don't know. I, I believe in, in like life purposes and, and like fate. And I believe that my work here is very important and that I don't know I don't think I'm gonna go like that do you worry about going to the bathroom like in public spaces or yeah I think what I I worry about the most is that you're not like in a locker room anymore but I go like what I mean what about a school-aged child like what I'm imagining like when you were younger you're out of school now but I mean here's the thing some environments are safer environments because it's more accepting depends where you are in the country you know like I mean like I'm in Los Angeles it's like it just some places are way marketing, but you know, you get to some parts of the country or the world and it's not at all. And I just wonder about that fear of like, what about if you're in the locker room, be changing for a PE, taking showers, you're on a swim team, you're on like those kinds of things. I wonder, did you ever worry about sleepovers or did you just, were you lucky enough to have just really supportive friends? And I think I was just really lucky because I had a very small group of friends and the friends that I just have they were queer. So, I mean, either they were lesbian or gay or just really accepting. And, you know, like my friends protected me. If, you know, something was going on, they, they helped me and they stood up for me. And mostly in school, I, I, I just hung out with my girlfriend at the time and, and it was just her and I, and, and like, I just kind of felt my safety with her because it was very comfortable because I knew that she accepted me. And I just, I didn't really want to expand myself because what if somebody didn't accept me? It's a constant thing. It's like even after surgery and, and testosterone and even possible like bottom surgery, like people can still know, you know, because I have scars on my chest. It's not complete skin per se. Um, you know, so it's like the word like what happened to your chest or, you know, it's like if I got to go pee, I can't really like, with my wiener out like, because it's not there like I've, I know guys who even after surgery they still 
it's still committed suicide. And like there, it's a constant thing that never really goes away, even after doing the whole process, you know, like name change, surgery, um, hormone replacement therapy, even after doing what would look like the end of it, say, including bottom surgery, like there's really nowhere else to go to. There's really nowhere else to go except self-acceptance. Right. Right. And it seems like that is what's really important here is that regardless of who you are or what your struggle is, that the journey is about the self-acceptance and self-love no matter what, because even if like in this, in a situation like a transgender, a transgender person that if you don't work on that self-love and self-acceptance that even all those changes, like you're saying, are going to leave you unhappy. Yeah. Sharon, what would you tell the moms out there whose children are coming out and exploring their gender identity and possibly already knowing what that transgender? What advice I would give them? I would, you just have to constantly support your children regardless. You, you have to support them. I remember saying in a, with a group of friends of mine, we were talking, oh, my, my girl wants to be a, a nurse when she grows up. Oh, my, mine wants to be a ballerina. Mine wants to be a hairdresser. And I was just like, oh, mine wants to be a boy, you know, just <laughs> very casual. And there really isn't any advice but to support your children, whether they're transgender or not. Right. But no matter, our children are our children. And if they can't look up to their parents for help or guidance that they need, our children are a reflection of ourselves. If you love yourself, you know, that'll be a whole lot easier to love your child. That's right. Yes. Amen, sister, to that. Sharon, did you think any differently of um, people that were gay or transgender or different before Elliot came out or before Elliot was transitioning? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I was a follower as well. I'm guilty of that. Uh, I wanted to be accepted amongst my peers. I was, I worked in a nightclub where, oh, hey, I want everybody to like me and we all want to be liked and we had we had a few uh trans gay customers that would come in and i was part of everybody making fun of these people and i i, I can't believe that's myself when i look back on it now because that was so wrong and i can't imagine how that person felt and I'm really sorry to that person. I'm sorry. It's just that everyone in this world just needs compassion towards everyone, no matter what, no matter who they are, what they are. And now it's making you really sad right now to like realize that about how you are. Like, but I think that's it's the most important piece, you know, is is how you how you thought before and how you wore and how you acted before it impacted you in yourself and what you had to face in yourself and that feels like what could really help other people too you know because 
so what what did you like it's, it sounds like it's really hard for you to even believe that you ever had that kind of judgment or on another person that was different i think it's when it affects you so closely that makes you realize like how you treat others that are that are facing the same problems as your child and makes you feel more compassionate towards them. So what were the biggest changes in your mind shift as Elliot transitioned? Um, that, wow, hey, everyone has a story. <laughs> if we just stop and listen, everyone has a story. Just like my kid has a story. I have a story. You have a story. We all have a story. Just stop and listen to your fellow human being that's next to you. Right. What's the biggest shift that you've experienced, Elliot, in going through this process? Going through and transitioning and and just as far as, like, understanding, like, I mean, are you aware how different it was to have a supportive mom? Yeah. My mom and I used to fight a lot um, before I came out. Um, so I, I almost felt like I didn't really have anybody. And then once I came out, um, I actually had a like a suicide attempt. And after that, like, because my mom, she used to drink a lot. And so, like, I didn't, like, I just had a lot of, like, angst towards her and just like life and just teenage whatever and after attempting suicide she just stopped drinking and really decided to to, you know just like be there for me and and now like we're best friends so I I think creating that support system is really important because like I can go to a lot of people with issues or like how I'm feeling but nobody really understands like my mom yeah I understand that I love my mom (laughs) I love my Elliot (laughs) do you so that sounded like a pretty pivotal moment when he tried to kill himself absolutely It, it was a wake up call for me a wake up call for Elliot and I just Stopped. I was an alcoholic. I was a bartender for 25 years and every night was a party. I just stopped. What are you doing, Sharon? This isn't what's going to happen from this day forward. I just saw my kid laying there so lifeless. And I, I, I could. I blamed myself, like, what's going on? You need to stop doing this. And I quit cold turkey and never drank a drop since that day. Wow. Which was how long ago? Six, seven years ago? Uh, Five years ago. Five? Five years ago. Seems like forever. (laughs) But that's definitely a wake-up call, and it's a really horrible way to get someone's attention. And that was after you came out, Elliot? Yeah. Yeah. I was probably out for about a year. 
Mm, you weren't maybe maybe like six months. Um, you had a girlfriend. Yeah, because I was actually it was shortly after coming out at the doctor's office because the doctor ended up prescribing me antidepressants. And the antidepressants that I just felt like a zombie is horrible. And so I stopped taking them, but it, it messed with me so much that I was just like, you know, what's the point? Like, it didn't feel like anything was helping. Right. And isn't it interesting because the reality was you were just trying to be yourself. And everybody was coming at it. I mean, you were getting support from your mom, but almost like try to mask it, try to manage it, try to put it in it's like try to just package this up really neatly so we could just all move on with our life type of thing. Like the doctor, you know, almost everything. And like, let's give some antidepressants. Let's like throw this stuff at it instead of going like, wait a second, like, who are you? <laughs> What's going on with you? Right. And it sounds like after your suicide attempt, your mom said, you know what? That's it. I'm here. Who are you? What do you need? What's happening? I'm gonna I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna accept you. I'm not gonna fight this. I'm gonna just I'm gonna do whatever I can to help you be who you are and I'm gonna love you through it, no matter what. What do you think pushed you over the edge with uh you know with wanting to commit um, suicide? Well my girlfriend at the time Yeah, my girlfriend at the time who was my rock, um, she had cheated on me with uh, a regular guy, and it just really set me off. Like, you know, the, the one person that I thought was going to be there for me through this, you know, they just should have left. And and then that's when I, I really just felt like, you know, like, like whatever. Um, and then that's when I attempted to suicide. And, uh, would you say you called it a, a real boy? Yeah, a real boy. Yeah, so let, like, <laughs> you know, I want to, well, I want to catch that because I feel like, is that, is that how transgender males think about boys who are not transgender? Are they real boys and you're not a real boy? Is that the feeling or is that like a saying or is that just, a differentiation I don't I don't understand that it's like a feeling for me when she left me for him it felt like I wasn't a real boy it's like that that's what she wanted you know she wanted a real guy because it's something that I I'll never be you know I can do my best to feel my authentic self but I'll, I'll never be a boy you know I didn't grow up like that Right. Yeah, it, it's something that's not really comparable. Um, yeah, a lot of other um, trans guys do feel similar because they've had similar experiences where their partners would leave them for a real guy. And it, it just kind of does something to the mind, you know, where it's like, you know, thinking that we had somebody that just loves us for who we are, and then they don't. But something I wanted to touch on with um, the suicide attempt was it was kind of a blessing because I remember laying in, in the hospital bed and 
and my mom and my dad were there just kind of like holding me like like had their hand on my body and I just remember looking over at them and they just looked so broken and when I had surgery I remember opening my eyes and it was in the same setting I was in the hospital bed and and they were both touching me and had their hand on me and it felt like a rebirth oh nice yeah you got really nice that you have supportive parents I think it's normal that that there's struggles you know that there's you know that they struggle with the different concepts or that they whether it's like sharing like you realizing like you had judgment on on uh, you know transgender people before before your son before you know Elliot transitioned or your dad who just finds it hard to accept probably because of his own stuff or his own wants for you or, you know, or that the pressure that his parent, his mom put on him about it or their judgments or religious judgments. And it's really multifaceted and complex. It feels like the more that we talk about it, you know, it becomes like a whole family process, right? It's not so individual, right? There's an individual piece to it, but it's, you know, your own self-acceptance, your own self-love, your own ability to be who you are. And then it's a, it's a family process, right? It's for all of you. And there's a gift in there for each and every one of you in the family. I think if more people were familiar with what's going on, like I said earlier, a lot of people fear the unknown and like me, I didn't know anything about it. I just followed everybody else, like the sheep. And if the more I learned about it, the more I understood what was taking place and what's going on. And and people shouldn't be so ignorant. You know, teach yourself. Teach yourself what it's about. You know, what, what are you fighting? What do you fear? That's it's. I think that plays a big part in the parents' role too. Right. I, I, even with Elliot, like there was a lot of fear. Don't fear yourself. Just be yourself. Be who you want to be. Be what you want to be. It's all inside you. Just <laughs> look inside. There's. Yeah, I'm so happy to have met you Elliot (laughs) I sure have learned a lot I you know one of the (laughs) talking about ignorance you know on Elliot's podcast originally you know there's just so many questions and I purposely did not go research anything because I wanted to represent that idea of ignorance like of just not knowing anything and not knowing some of the you know even the words or the language or you know and making those mistakes I mean, was that hard for you to learn the language around it, the the right thing to say, the wrong thing to say? I mean, even when I was editing, even when I was editing Elliot's episode, I have someone assisting me to help me, and we're listening through it, and she says, "Dory, you cannot say that." And I was like, "Well, but Elliot didn't correct." Me. She's like, "Well, maybe he didn't catch it, but you can't say that. Well, you cannot say that. You cannot say that." I think it was like a tran. I don't know what I said, but I, whatever I said. 
And then she's like, you cannot say that because she's in school studying sociology and she's this like hot topic. And I was like, oh my God. So then I had to like take that out. And I was like, what else did I say? She's like, everything else is fine. Like she was, even after I got the information, I was faced with already saying the wrong thing. And, and maybe it's not the wrong thing, but it's the thing of not wanting to offend anybody or hurt anybody. And that would be the thing is like, you're trying to show acceptance and you're trying to be, use the right language and say the right thing. And I, even as a parent and this, <laughs> I'm sure you can identify as a parent, <laughs> like we seem to say that you get it, you have a teenager, you suddenly say all the wrong things all the time. So then you throw like some new information into the mix that you don't know anything about. You're definitely going to be apt to say the wrong thing more often, but. Anyway. I think that's with anything though, because yeah. like I could be talking to a doctor or something and maybe not say the right title and like they can get angry. I know. You know, so that's I true. think it's just the general possible lesson there would be just to ask questions. Ask questions. Yeah. And like you've really asked a lot of questions and asking it from curiosity or just being considerate. You know, like that story that you told me about, about, you know, the, the little person at the diner. I know, and that was in the first... Asking the question. I know, <laughs> I should tell that story. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a good story to tell. I could... Though it's important to ask questions. It's important to seek information. And, you know, one thing we talked... That's what we talked about before is information... Once you know the truth, you can't have the judgment the same way. You just can't. It's impossible. I told Elliot a story of um, we were in Portland visiting family, and we were all out to dinner like two years ago. We're out to dinner at this restaurant, and my daughter, my little one at the time, was probably about five or six, I think, and um, she sees this guy who's who's a small he's a small person, and and she says, Mom, what's what's wrong with that guy? Like, who, who's, like, what's going on with him? Like, why is he so little? And I said, she's like, what do you call that? And I said, I don't, I was like, God, I don't even know because I don't even, like, I'm, like, thinking, and I'm going in my memory bank, you know, I'm going, well, like, in my days we called them midgets, but I know you can't say midgets. I don't know. Can you say little people, like, small person? Like, I'm like, I don't really know. I actually don't know what, I don't really know how to identify that man. And she's like, and she was looking at him and I said, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't want her to have a judgment on someone like that. And I don't really have the right information. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do here? Because like, what do I do? Right. I just looked at her and I said, maybe we should just ask him because I really want you to have the right information. So we walked over to his table and I said, you know, I'm really sorry to interrupt your dinner. I said, but my daughter is just very curious about you and asked even what do I call, what do I, how do I identify you or, you know, and I said, I don't know the right word. I don't know the right terminology and I want to give her the right information and I don't want to offend you. I'm like, I felt, I felt kind of embarrassed, but I also felt like I also wanted to do the right thing. And he looked at me and he said, he said, you know what? He said, I wish more people would come over and ask me that question. He said, you're not offending me at all. 
actually really appreciate it. And you can call the little person little people. That's appropriate. And I said, great, okay. And then I looked at my daughter and I said, okay. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she was like, oh, okay, done. And she went back to the table. Like that's, she, that it was like no big thing. I said, thank you so much. And he just said, thank you. He's like, you know, that means a lot to me that you brought her over here. And I was just so grateful that he was so open, so open with me and so kind. I mean, I learned something too, right? Because I was scared, I guess, but I got the right information. And then I was able to give the right information to my daughter. And then that removed any judgment from here on out for her. She just got to have the right information and go from there. And now if she ever sees a little person, then, and she'll just go, oh, hmm, and it goes out of her head. So it's like, I would imagine it would be, I'm like what you've explained to me, Elliot, you know, like a transgender person, it's like the same thing. Like when we've talked about, t- you told me like I could just say like what pronouns do you use? Or yeah. so if there's a question, if there's a need for an identity in that way, I'm not just wondering because our minds want to wonder, we want to put identity on things, you know, we want to put information on something. And I'm just thinking, I just, I just went to the Jasper Jones exhibit on Mother's Day. He's an artist. Do you know who? Do you know who he is? No. Oh, you might like him. One of his philosophies behind his art is to flip people's realities and make them question what they're seeing, to question the truth. So I just love that. So I love looking through his painting, looking at his paintings through the lens of that idea. And he has other ideas too, but like that's one of his main lens. And so he'll sometimes take something that you would see in one way and put it in another way just to make your mind switch because you kind of want to go that's that but you can't really say that's that because it's it's now not that it's it's not the way that you have organized it in your mind and so you have to say what is that to something very familiar in front of you that is familiar but doesn't exactly look the way that you see it it makes me almost think about like any differences that we see, right? Like we want, there's a part of us that wants to identify it because our mind is saying that is what it is, but something else is going, but not really, not quite. And we have to question that truth. What I'd like to leave with off today is um, this idea of being open to questioning the truth that you already have made up in your mind and that you can create a new reality and you can create a new truth and you do that by asking questions you do that by exploring right by exploring maybe another person and their reality and exploring your own reality right and not getting lost in your own judgment or your own ideas or your own ignorance and then we're able to see a person or a piece of art or have an experience in a whole new way that is like pure and it's in it's it's in a new truth that's kind of how I see like I as I look at you both I just that's great way to explain it in that yeah it's really beautiful very beautiful the question more I'm really touched to have this conversation with you two today I I could feel the love between the two of you and the respect and the support, and it's so beautiful. I hope that every parent who listens to this really understands how valuable 
it is to have acceptance and love for your child and every child out there that feels different in whatever way has the courage to be who they are and know that their life is important, their life holds value, and it doesn't matter if you fit into that the picture of what you think something's supposed to be, that you could actually always question the truth and question the reality so you could be see yourself as who you're supposed to be seen as. Question everything. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you both. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It is such an honor. Thank you for being in the space yeah. for this adventure that you're partaking in. I'm really excited to see how it flourishes. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this story too. Yeah. Thank you. And to all the parents out there, hang in there and love your kids no matter what. No matter what. Thank you. Come on, we can do it. Take it down. Do that. We can do it.